0: The first perspective shift is that storytelling is a form of listening first. And it's a form of listening that most of us need. We need to properly tell the right story. We must use our clients as our compass. We want to understand what their problems are and specifically how they would relate to those problems. Nobody ever really taught us these things or how to do this or that this was even necessary.
1: This is Getting to Yes, the podcast with leaders from all walks of life, exploring their successes, mistakes, and lessons learned in influence and persuasion. Getting others to say yes, and then taking an insight or two to help them achieve even greater things. Here's a pop quiz for you. Do you remember stories that you were told in your childhood? For most people, the answer is yes. Which begs the question, how in the world do you remember these stories decades later? So in today's episode, we'll unpack why storytelling techniques are so powerful to get your ideal clients to say yes faster than you thought possible with authenticity and alignment. Super excited to introduce you to my friend and colleague Kyle Gray a world-class presentation coach, story strategist, and author who helps coaches, startups, and executives use storytelling to better communicate their unique value and improve sales with their audience. I actually met Kyle years ago when he was writing copy for an online summit, and I noticed how he combines timeless storytelling with cutting-edge marketing, ensuring you've got the right story to tell while presenting on a sales call or in conversation, and whether that's online or offline. So, Kyle, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much for having me, Uli, and thank you for being a part of that summit. That
0: was a highlight of some of my work a few years back, and I really appreciated your contribution.
1: Yeah, no, it's from one marketing mind to another one. You can recognize real craftsmanship and mastery. And it was very apparent in the copy that you wrote, which is decidedly different from what I normally saw on summit said There's a lot of storytelling techniques in there and it just made the copy so much stickier. I certainly wanna dive into this to give our audience a flavor for why is this so important? How, what can they learn from this? But I wanna start with how did you actually become a story strategist as you call yourself? Thank
0: you. There's
1: a couple of threads that come together that
0: really make up who I am. And this is also the same way that I work with people is finding these threads and I'll share my story and you can see how these will add up to something more than the sum of their parts. One place that I really feel I originated with storytelling and even copywriting was when I was a teenager and in my early twenties, I thought the only way I was gonna live a happy and fulfilled life was by being a singer songwriter. Mm rock star. And I played in bands for a while. I wrote some of my own songs and I put a lot of pressure on myself and ended up souring myself on music. A few years later, discovered copywriting, discovered content marketing and felt a similar pull. Ooh, this kind of makes sense. This is fun. And then I remember seeing the first time the idea that somebody could speak from the stage and really use that as a tool to grow their business. And it reminded me of being on the stage as a performer and I was like well I can I Mm -hmm. can do this and so I really became obsessed with storytelling now over the course of a few years my career was progressing and my health was regressing in my mid-20s like I went from being very athletic skier rock climber to having joint pain that would just keep me from hiking a quarter mile or being afraid to push my body in any limits. I had crazy fatigue and anxiety and no matter how many Tony Robbins books I was (laughs) reading, there couldn't be anything that could help me. Now at this time, I was helping facilitate workshops for speakers who wanted to position themselves better, get on more stages, better stages, and really position themselves as a thought leader. And there was one workshop That was filled with health and wellness experts and one of them sat down next to me and she said hey i help people overcome chronic autoimmune diseases through gut health and i just barely started to learn about these things and learned that i had a thyroid problem and i said oh so your audience must do this they try and do this but that happens and she was like oh my gosh you need to come work with me we started working together i helped her with her messaging and really getting clear in the value she delivered to those clients because I understood it on an unfortunately personal level, and she started walking me through her Hashimoto's protocol, and in a few months, the fatigue, the anxiety, the pain that had once dominated my life and thought I was stuck with forever, melted away, and I had a whole new lease on life, which I brought into my early 30s. I was as strong as I was in my early 20s, and I'm so grateful for the lessons now because i value my health and i see my health in a fundamentally different way thanks to a lot of the people that you serve and work mm-hmm. with well Lily. and so the storytelling and then my connection to my health and discovering that there's a common problem that health experts face that many experts face across the board but they're often too smart for their own good they have a lot of experience with all of these certifications all of these techniques all of these methods and they're surrounded with other experts who can dive into the weeds with them. And sometimes it's really difficult to know what somebody, a layperson or somebody who's opening this up, what they really want to know. And oftentimes we just lose control of our minds in a sense. And we want to just give as much right. information as possible and end up firehosing people.
1: Yeah. I call it the expert's curse that in our exuberance about all the gory details we go totally overboard teaching our clients what we know, what we want them to know and then wonder, why the heck is a person not saying yes and deciding to move forward? And as you pointed out, it's because you fire them with so much information that you totally depleted their cognitive reserves and they have nothing in themselves to move forward. Why don't we transition to how stories can be the ultimate sense-making device in how you use it, especially when you work with your clients.
0: Yeah, this is a ancient technology. Maybe the most ancient technology is storytelling. And it's a very specific formula that allows us to resonate and understand and remember things, which kind of ties into this question of that you asked in the beginning of why do you remember certain stories from your childhood? and there's a certain impact that they have because over the course of how many Brazilians of years that we've been around on the planet, there are well-worn paths in our mind that we can use these frameworks, so let's make use of it. Now, the big difference in perspective change that I want to invite in storytelling is just understanding how We want to serve our client when we speak. And I would say the first perspective shift is that storytelling is a form of listening first. And it's a form of listening that most of us need. We need to properly tell the right story. We must use our clients as our compass. We want to listen to them and understand what their problems are. And specifically how they would relate to those problems if they were sitting across somebody from a coffee table that did not, was not a health expert, how would they describe those things? Let's think about really immerse ourselves in this of if they're facing these problems, like what might they be afraid of happening or what do they see down the road or how's this impacting other areas of our life and really immersing ourselves into it, which invites a level of listening and empathy that a lot of us just haven't practiced and for good reason we're practicing solving the problems and we know nobody ever really taught us these things or how to do this or that this was even necessary when we spent so much time immersing ourselves in this
1: yeah that makes a lot of sense and ultimately i think listening or understanding your avatar is one of the key things and obviously With the advent of artificial intelligence and ChatGPT, there's now a tool out there that can make this extraction of the data a lot easier. But as I'm sure you would agree, it does not replace you as a master storyteller and putting it together and delivering it. Take us through some of the more tactical aspects of crafting your own story. What stories do you need? What frameworks can our listeners follow along and put some meat on the bone here?
0: Perfect. Well, I'll give you the ChatGPT proof story, one that ChatGPT will not be able to create nor outperform if done properly, and this is the origin story, and like I was saying before, we want to understand our client and use them as a compass. So once we understand what their key problems are, we get those listed out, maybe three of them very clear, and what they really feel like, the more details of, and the closer we can get to those real emotionally provoking words that they're thinking in their head, we can use that to ask ourselves, when did I feel like this? And oftentimes, when I'm working people through this process, they'll come up with stories that they typically haven't thought of as good stories to share, but nevertheless, they'll start to share them. And the trick here is to get to these moments and use your client's words to tell your story. And even though the story is about you, your clients are going to experience it As they're experiencing their own life and they get to walk through your experience to see how you came to the solution now this is an emotional process not an educational process we need to understand who you are and why you care before we're ready to listen to you about the peptides or the pooping into cups or any of these things (laughs) we need to know that you're here because especially the health and wellness people you are certainly the last line of defense for most of the people coming to you. And they've been through 12 other people who have just never, they haven't listened to them. They just spewed out probably, not even like how to solve a problem. They're like, take this prescription and get out of my office. And they've tried all of these things and they are down on themselves. And we need to be able to connect with them emotionally because if we can't do that, then everything, all of the brilliant things that you have to say are going in one ear and out the other. And ChatGPT will never be able to go to that moment in your life that so deeply resonates with your purpose and talk about what it smelled like when you entered the room and how the crunching glass felt on the floor when you realized this.
1: Just you saying these words conjures up some images already. You can hear it auditorily that is okay. I'm walking over crunch glass and you wonder what's next. What's the setting of the scene? This is how a movie starts. I like how you bring this in and again, that's what I witnessed when you wrote the copy for the summit that you took people right into the stories. Just like in a movie, you enter the story unfolding in a prospect's mind and you wanna know, okay, what's the next scene? How does it get resolved? What is the end result? So I think, as you said, this is everyone probably knows about the power of storytelling, but few people know really how to leverage it and tear it up and build the origin story and any other stories that you need in your marketing to overcome people's objections. How do you teach to overcome your listeners' biggest objections as you're doing it? Is it really just a story or is there other elements that support this and, and aid in overcoming objections?
0: This is one of my favorite questions. I think it's one of the most important perspective shifts, especially for health and wellness experts. Like I said, we have proclivities of teaching as much as possible, and this has directly to do with teaching. So what a lot of people want to do is they want to teach in the way that maybe we learned throughout our standard education processes, which is just learn and regurgitate and teach as much how to practical things. But like I said, when your audience is at the point where they would be hearing you speak on a stage and making a decision if they want to work with you or not, they have a certain set of beliefs about what's possible and a certain set of objections. Sometimes they may be, it's a lot of us think a little bit too shallow. Oh, what makes you different than health coach B over there? But very rarely is anybody like comparing you with another health coach that has a similar product or service. The competitors and the objections are things like these limiting beliefs, I've tried it all. I'm just like, these are my genes. This is just getting older. This is the real competition here. And people make the mistake of teaching too much how to. Here's how to lose 10 pounds. You need to go into your pantry, and throw out all the gluten crackers, and throw out the sugar, and eat ground beef and Brussels sprouts for three weeks, or whatever. And when we hear things like that, it feels like a lot of work, and maybe that really is the solution that you implement, but I'm not ready to hear that yet. And so what we could say instead is, maybe you've wanted to lose 10 pounds, and you've tried the fad diets, and they haven't worked, and you've worked with the experts, and exercising's not fun. But maybe what if instead of thinking about what you eat, you think about when you eat? And maybe if you happen to intermittent fasting or something. And so all of a sudden somebody's thinking, oh, it's when I eat, maybe I could eat the same food, but be healthier if I just do this. And now they're thinking like, whoa, this situation's a little bit different. And it opens up the playing field for them to imagine being successful because before they were closed off and they wouldn't even give themselves permission to be like, what would it be like if I was healthy? They're like, there's no way. I don't even know why I'm attending this webinar. And so instead of trying to teach us how to solve a problem, really focus your teaching on overcoming those beliefs and objections to get them open to it. And then we can use, where does the story come in? So the story comes in telling stories of clients that you've worked with that brought this objection to you. They can, oftentimes, I'll have it as a conversational story. Greg came to me and he said, Kyle, I'm having trouble with really getting this message across, but I think my situation's a little different. Can you still help me? Or... Kyle, I've been trying to lose 10 pounds for the last three years. I've done a little bit sometimes, but I've tried all the diets and nothing seems to work. What can you do? And just having a little conversation built in and then giving that one belief-shifting teaching will allow them both to open their mind up to new things and simultaneously they're actually rehearsing what it would be like to work with you and get the same result. Again, helping them believe in the possibility that they can be successful with your help. And that's the kind of teaching that I'm about. And that's the kind of teaching that will get real results and allow the level of
1: commitment and enrollment that you're hoping to inspire in your clients. Absolutely. I totally love it. And it's something that I try to tell my clients as well that you're not going to get these prospective patients to say yes to your methodology if you are spewing exactly the same thing as all the things that they've tried before. So rather than convincing them and twisting their arm that you are marginally better, that you're more credentialed, it is so important to reframe the problem. And again, I always call it revitalizing their mind. There's maybe a different angle at coming at this and this is obviously in the marketing world we talk about the unique mechanism it's the reason why they finally can believe again that maybe i haven't tried everything here's the reason why there's a different angle to coming up this so thanks for sharing that now yeah when but- you come to the end of these stories how do you actually then bring it full circle that you get them to a powerful closing call to action to finally to say yes to enroll in your discovery calls or to get on that sales call or to buy the online course.
0: This is, we'll talk specifically about the story, but if you want to go into the mechanics of making a pitch and an offer, hmm. there's a ton line by line that can nerd out about it like a lot of the listeners would nerd out over somebody's labs. But how do we, I like to end with a story. And what kind of story do we end with? This is actually one of the more difficult ones but probably not for the reason that you would think. Making an offer is the high intensity moment and people are nervous to make the offer. This feels like the big moment of the whole thing. And when you make an offer and say, hey, here's, go to this link on this website, buy this thing. It's not a great ending to be like, okay, buy my stuff, hang up the phone or walk off the stage. So we wanna use an aligned ending story to create a similar emotional effect to what we were having in the beginning. So it's like when a movie's ending, you leave, and the movie has the right feeling, and you're like satisfied and inspired in the right way. So we take a story that has nothing to do with whatever you've been teaching about. So if you're talking about health, no health stories. If you talk about business, no stories about your business. But it has the same moral. Every story has a moral. And there's a couple of morals that you can choose from at the end of a good presentation, or in, in many situations other than that. The best one for health experts, I'll, we'll just focus on this one, is hire an expert. Makes sense, right? That's a moral of a story. So when were points in your life where you had the opportunity to hire an expert or get some help and you didn't do it, and suffered the consequences and i'll give you an example this is a financial planner example but it's by far my favorite of these stories and these kind of stories they're better felt like a lot of the work i do than actually intellectualized like we're doing right now for better and worse so i'm going to pretend to be a financial planner and you've been listening to me for 90 minutes about retirement my name's bob all right i'm gonna leave you with this i go into the kitchen and my wife's in there And she says, Bob, the dishwasher is broken. Will you please call a repairman to get it fixed? And I say, honey, I'm a financial planner. I'm a smart man. I'm going to fix the dishwasher myself. And with the money I save, I'm going to take us out to dinner. How does that sound? She shakes her head, looks at me, and that's good enough for me. She waves me off, and I start searching dishwasher repair on YouTube and open up the dishwasher. I'm moving the pieces around, and I see this one in the back, and I'm trying to get it, and all of a sudden, snap. Oh man, and now it's really broken. I peek over the counter, hoping my wife isn't there to see what I just did, and she is there, of course she is. She's shaking her head, the repairman's already dialed, she hands me the phone. I call him over. Repairman comes over and looks at my machine, sees the part I broke, and replaces it, closes it up and says, Bob... You're good to go. The dishwasher's fixed. And I said, wait, repairman. The dishwasher was broken before I broke it. Did you fix that too? And he says, Bob, you were just putting too much soap into the dishwasher. Okay, now why am I telling this story? We have a vague idea of what's going on here, but why am I really doing this? I'm taking this story, a moment in the life, has nothing to do with it, but the moral of this story is hire an expert. And now... I'm going to realize the moral, oh my gosh. Like, this actually is the same thing that you guys should be thinking about right now. And you just, oh, I just realized this. No, it was on that day. The one time I tried to fix a dishwasher in my life that I realized how important it was to hire an expert. Somebody who fixes dishwashers every day to help me out. And the funny thing is, if I just would have called him in the first place, I probably could have saved enough money to take my wife out to dinner because he just would have told me I was putting too much soap into the dishwasher. All of you, you're only going to plan your retirements once in your life. And how much more important of a choice is that? You see, I help people plan their retirements every day. And just one phone call to a repairman could have saved me. Imagine how much is it possible with one phone call to an expert like me. And so I hope that you will join me in creating this retirement of your dreams together and really hiring an expert. Thank you. And so we lead them in and because the story has nothing to do with this stuff, they allow themselves to resonate with the feeling and they arrive at the feeling and then we've essentially sprung a trap where now they're like, oh yeah, I agree. And now you're like, that's just like this right now. I've got to hire an expert. Darn it. They got me. And that's what you want to leave the stage with. And everybody feels good. They're like, wow, that was great. They're satisfied. They feel like they had a good experience. And the seed has been planted. I've got to hire an expert. And so that's certainly, I will say that the men tend to have more of these stories, for better or worse, available to them. And, but yeah, but everybody has a good one of these. And the reason that these are the hardest stories, which I alluded to earlier, is because often they're so mundane that when we try to search our brains for them, it doesn't even pop up because we've never even considered it as a valuable thing. Yeah.
1: No, I like this insight that you take a story that's actually unrelated to the conversation at hand, that again, allows people to relax and follow along. Because when you start into the story, there's overtly no connection to what you're telling them. As you said at the beginning, people open up and just follow along and experience and sit with the story without intellectualizing. It's okay, let's just see what happens. Like in a movie again, where you're entranced and you're just following along, and then magically you end up with the moral of the story. I'm like, oh yeah. So I think leading people through these aha moments to relive these emotions is probably one of the reasons why we remember stories from our childhood, that there were these emotionally charged moments where we felt something, we remember the feeling, the neurons are built or reorganized in a way because of all the dopamine and all the other neurochemicals released, really leveraging neurochemistry and neurobiology to to be a better storyteller. So I love that. I'm curious, I know that you have a special guide on your website, how people can start creating their own five-minute authority story can we talk about this because i opted in it's fascinating and i got a lot out of it so i want to make sure that our listeners get to hear what it is and how they can tap into that resource
0: thank you so much i appreciate you taking the time to go through it and giving me the opportunity to share it here the first story that everybody wants to start with that i feel can make the biggest difference in your business is a story that you can tell in the first five minutes of a sales call, of a podcast, of hopping on the summit and really establishing that authority. This was the first kind of story I was talking about today. Now you want to be able to do this in five minutes. We're not going to be able to create the story in five minutes, but it's not going to take that much longer. Good news. I've put together this mini-course called Create Your 5-Minute Authority Story. It's just three videos that are about 12 minutes long each that will take you step-by-step through a process In less than 45 minutes of how you can brainstorm, create, and share a story that will start to create a connection, create an excitement for who you are and what you do, and open people up to what you teach. I want to say like I incredibly highly value all of the brilliant things that you do, and there is absolutely a place and a balance. What we've been talking about today is how to balance out the intellectual and the tactical, with emotion and they both have a place here and this is a great first move if you are an expert who feels like i'm a technician i'm a scientist and i hadn't needed this is the first best step to start really getting better results and you will right away if you start putting this story and sharing it using this formula you'll see a difference in how people respond to you right away
1: Thank you so much for sharing all these nuggets. Whether you're a pro at this or you're a beginner, I hope you can see the wisdom in Kyle's words and I hope you take him up on his five-minute authority story process. We'll put the link in the show notes. It's thestoryengine.co slash perfect. And with that, thank you so much, Kyle, for sharing all your wisdom. As is our custom, we let the guest always have the last word, so What's the one thing that you would want to leave our audience with?
0: Like I said, for all of you, a lot of you out there are health experts. And I deeply believe in what you do, and I've experienced it firsthand. And I see a lot of the things happening in the world right now, and I wonder how much of them could be solved if we all just had a little bit of better blood sugar and gut health and all of the things that, that all of you create. I really wonder. And so I'd like to leave you with, it's your responsibility to learn how to communicate in this way. And it's not good enough to just be able to solve the problem. And right now, the planet needs you more than ever. This is an incredible opportunity and time to be alive and doing what you're doing. And there are so many people out there that so desperately need your help, that one story could really change your life and change so many other people's lives. So I hope you will take action on this and see, even though this was (laughs) lighthearted and we have fun, that this is a divine responsibility that we all have here.
1: Well, thank you so much, Kyle. And for all of you listening, we'll see you next week. I believe mastering persuasion is one of the most essential skills in life and certainly in business because nothing ever happens without a yes. Yet we can only effectively influence other people's decisions when we truly understand how the brain makes those decisions. Once you master the decision-making formula, your message becomes ever more clear and influential. Join us next week for our newest episode of Getting to Yes... And if you enjoyed this episode, hit subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening. And feel free to share it with colleagues and friends. I'm your host, Uli Iserlo. See you next week.